Welcome to the next in a series of Ask a Chair podcasts brought to you by SAEM Rams. Good morning, Dr. Angela Mills. Thank you for uh, coming and talking with us. I'd like to uh, go through and introduce you real quick. Dr. Mills received her medical degree from Temple University, conducted her residency at Penn, where she served as chief resident. She currently is serving as the J.E. Beaumont Professor and inaugural chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine at Columbia University Irvine Medical Center and chief EMS at New York Presbyterian Hospital. Dr. Mills is a national leader and expert in emergency medicine with a very impressive career. Notably, she was AOA, distinction from Temple, Arnold P. Gold Foundation Humanism Medicine Award this past year, Mid-Career Award from the Academy for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine, and a RESTI Scholar from Wharton School of Executive Development, and she's been serving on the Board of Directors for Society of Academic EM for the past two years. Thank you, Dr. Mills, so much for taking time and speaking with us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. So today's topic is career development and career pathways. Question number one, congratulations on your new appointment at Columbia. What is the biggest difference you see between being vice chair and now chair in just a few short months of that role? Well, there are many similarities between the vice chair and chair positions. They really are quite different roles. As a vice chair, I provided oversight and leadership for a specific mission working with an interdisciplinary team. I believe to be an effective chair, you need to focus much more broadly to achieve a departmental vision across all the missions, including finance and administration. The vision can be accomplished by support of two primary overarching goals. The first is the delivery of superb patient care, and the second really is the recruitment, career development, and retention of outstanding faculty. I believe by focusing on these key goals, we can really advance the key pillars of excellence in academic medicine, clinical care, research, education, quality improvement, and also advocacy. Already in my few short months as a chair, I spent a significant amount of time on faculty recruitment and development. And I think another key difference between the vice chair and chair roles is the level of responsibility. You know, as Churchill stated, the price of greatness is responsibility. And as the chair, I believe you really have a responsibility to create a culture that instills a great attitude to motivate and empower your team members and also to lift everyone up to their highest potential. That's outstanding. Greatness is definitely what you've achieved in your, uh, your career. Thank you. What are the biggest challenges that you anticipate personally in your role and more globally as chair and faculty in emergency medicine? In my new role, I've entered into a new group, a new culture, actually a few different cultures within the divisions, the hospital and the school, all in a new city with its own emergency medicine culture. In addition to learning the new cultures and making assessments, difficult decisions need to be made rather quickly, which I think are some of the biggest challenges, especially when you are in a new institution. Chairs are often hired with expectations to achieve certain goals and outcomes. One of the most important things that I've been doing in the past few months is listening. I've been on a listening tour meeting with as many people as possible, both within the department and outside of the department, in the hospital, in the school, within other departments and services, the community, and also the larger emergency medicine community. By listening, I'm beginning to understand the strengths, the weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the department, which will allow for the development of the strategic plan, and then will also aid in making those difficult decisions. Similar to Deborah Dirks, who also attended a residency known for larger than average number of chairs. How do you think attending the University of Pennsylvania ultimately influenced where you are today? 
do you think you would have eventually become chair regardless of where you attended residency? I think being at University of Pennsylvania aided me in where I am today. And my interest in becoming a chair really evolved over time. I consider myself quite fortunate to have trained and also been a faculty member in a department which has been very strong academically. I was surrounded by many senior faculty members who have really been amazing mentors during my career and helped to shape me as an academician. I started my career focused on clinical research. Penn has an upper out system with a mandatory review to associate professor, as well as recommended publication requirements. This allowed me to advance professionally. And as I was being promoted, there was an opportunity for me to become involved in the clinical operations leadership as the medical director. I believe being open to various opportunities that arise during your career can be quite beneficial. I was able to pivot and expand my expertise in academic emergency medicine, which I believe allowed me to be a better candidate for a leadership position. Thank you. This next question deals kind of on your previous statement of how you took advantage of the medical director role. How should residents interested in administration position themselves to become a medical director or take on similar leadership role in academic emergency medicine? I believe some of the most important characteristics of successful leaders in academic medicine are engagement and being involved, strong interpersonal skills, and the ability to follow through and get things done. As a resident, there are numerous ways to get involved by participating on departmental committees, working on initiatives, or bringing an innovative idea to leadership and being the champion to getting it done. So many of the projects and the initiatives that I worked on and supported as a vice chair were not only resident ideas, but also resident championed. This is a really great way as a resident to not only be involved in clinical operations and quality improvement, but also in research by studying the initiative and its effects. I'm also finding more and more that people are being hired to healthcare leadership positions, not for their degrees or for their experience, but really for their innate characteristics of their interpersonal and communication skills, their work ethic, their positive attitude, and their creativity and innovation. Thank you. It seems as if you're leading into each question perfectly. How do you think you made yourself the best candidate for your new role as chair, other than just living a life of leadership that you've already demonstrated? Well, as I mentioned, for residents being successful, I believe being an engaged faculty member with a good attitude who gets things done is really important. If you had asked me 10 years ago, even five years ago, if I was going to be a chair, I would have said I hadn't really thought about it and it was, and was really focused on my roles at the time and giving them my absolute best. I think it's important to be flexible and open to various opportunities that come your way. As I progressed professionally, I've spent time focusing on leadership development through some different forums, including the AAMC and an executive education physician leadership program through Wharton and Deloitte. Not only do these types of programs provide you with useful information, but in addition, they allow you to take time for yourself to reflect on your leadership and learn about methods and management and leadership. I also completed the chair development program through SAM and the chairs group, which is a fantastic program. In addition to providing me significant information and resources over the year-long period, it also expanded my network significantly within academic emergency medicine and has really created lasting friendships which have been helpful for me professionally. For a great question that, that I think is very important, what advice do you have for women who may struggle to find their footing in an ever-changing, though largely still male-dominated emergency medicine administrative world? You know, as I 
mentioned before, being really stuck to your principles about being a hard worker and focusing on doing a good job and being innovative, I think it's also really important to make sure that you have the right mentors and sponsors in your career. These mentors and sponsors, I think, come from various places. And, you know, of course, we look within our departments, but it's also really important, you know, depending on where you work and who the group is, it's important to look outside of your department within your institution, but also nationally within the world of emergency medicine. I think that there are a number of people, both women and men, who are wonderful mentor and sponsors for women and really allow people to get the career advice and training and answer those important questions that we all need, whether it's career advice or learning how to negotiate a first job or knowing how to get promoted, all of these questions which are really important for junior faculty, for all faculty for that matter. So really being able to find those mentors and sponsors and not being afraid to contact them, to ask. And then the other part of the equation, I think, is learning how to be a good mentee and being able to follow up and come with an agenda and really know what what it is that you'd like to get out of your mentorship relationship. Well, thank you. You've definitely been a, uh, an example for men and women. Are there any last words of advice that you would like to give the EM community on our own career development? I think it would be to remain flexible and open to new opportunities. When I you know, talk to a lot of people about early on a career, whether people should say yes or no to certain opportunities that come your way, it's always a struggle. Should I say yes? Should I say no? And for some people who really know what their five-year plan is, a 10-year plan, I think it's easier to limit your yeses to things that really focus on your career endeavor or your, your specific focus. But for those of us who maybe aren't sure what we're going to do and where we're going to focus, I think being open to being able to try new opportunities and get involved and, and work really hard to, to, to accomplish them. Well, thank you. This is Dr. Angela Mills. Thank you for your time and for talking to us. Thanks very much. It was my pleasure.